Well, good morning. Welcome to Trace. Merry Christmas to you guys. It is the season. Hello, my name is... Uh, matter of fact, you've probably seen this sticker once or twice before. Is the sticker going to come up here? There it is right there. Hello, my name is... And typically what you do is you fill in that gap, um, your given name, correct? Because your name actually distinguishes you from others. I actually, I met a, a guy this morning. His name is Corey. My name is Corey. He spells his name C-O-R-Y. I spell my name correctly, C-O-R-E-Y. And so it was nice to meet him this morning, right? But your, your name is what you're referenced by. It's, it, it's what you're called by. It's what you're credited. It, it, and in a real sense, it identifies you, right? That names are important. I, I, I got to tell you, if, if you actually do some research on this, you'll find that there are actually entire studies and sciences devoted to a name, like the history and the origin of names, e- 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 etymology and onomatology. These are like studies that actually go back and they, they check out meanings and histories of names. But there's actually some studies uh, today. They're really kind of intriguing studies, but they look at, at how a name can actually uh, affect your outcome. In other words, the, the name that you are giving, the meaning behind that or the way it's stated, how does it actually affect your, your grades in school or the way that you interact with other people, your success in life? They, they take a look at a guy like Usain Bolt and they wonder, was he predisposed to being fast because his last name was Bolt, right? And people get really into this kind of thing. I actually had uh, a friend of mine back in Arizona and she had three boys uh, and she named her boys Doer, Achiever, and Exceller. Like that was, that was their names, all right? Now, I don't know how they're doing these days, but if their names are any indication, they're probably doing pretty well. Now, you all might you know, kind of chuckle about that, but the fact is, if, if any of you guys have had kids, uh, you know the process that you go through to come up with a name for a kid. Like, you think about this, you talk about this, if you're anything like my family, you argue about this, uh, because, like, a name is an important thing, right? And, and for, for my family, as we were starting to have kids, we had a couple of qualifications. Uh, you can actually take a look. This, this is my family right here. These are my three kids. Uh, and we had some qualifications, and, and they were this. One, we wanted it to be somewhat of a unique name, all right, something that not everybody had. Uh, secondly, each name needed to have some kind of a meaning. And then third, for some reason, we got on this kick. Every, every name had to start with a K, all right? And I'm kind of regretting that now because I confused them all the time, all right? But, but right over here, um, this is my oldest girl. Her name is Keely. And her, her name comes from a derivative of, of a name that actually means to, uh, to be a courageous warrior. And I was over here in a conversation she was having with a friend the other day. Somebody said something about being courageous, and she popped up and said, yeah, that's actually part of my name. And I'm like, yes, that's right, because a young woman these days needs to be a courageous warrior. And then you got my, my boy over here. He's five years old. His name is Clay. And one of the, the most uh, often prayers that I pray for my son Clay is that that he'd be uh, shapeable, he'd be moldable, he'd be coachable, teachable in the potter's hand. That he'd be like clay in God's hands. He's a challenge. Um, and um, <laughs> this one right here, uh, this, this is my, my youngest, she's two years old, and her name is Clover. And so I think at this point in time, we, we actually said, you know what, two out of the three qualifications work. It's a K and it's, it's a creative name. No, I'm just joking. No, there's meaning behind that as well. And a matter of fact, there's a guy named St. Patrick. He used the clover to actually help people understand the concept of the Trinity. And her middle name is Grace. I say all that to say this. A name is important. It's important to you. It's important to me. But as important as a name is, it is not your identity. It may be what you are called. It may be what you're referenced by, but it's not who you are. And the reason why it's not is because it's not the truest thing about you. And that's going to be our working definition for this concept we're going to talk about today. Identity is, is the truest thing about you. And so we're going to take a look 
into this. And so I want to take you back here to, to this name tag. If, 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 I, if I took away the opportunity for you to put your given name in this slot, how would you fill the blank? Hello, I am. What identity would you place in there for other people to be able to see and to know about you? I want you to hold that thought for a minute. We'll be talking more about that. But last week, Aaron kicked us off into this series called Greater Than. And, and he did so by giving us an, an incredibly appropriate message for this season of year. Personally, in my life, it was appropriate. And, and this is what he introduced us to. He said, Jesus is greater than whatever is making you weary. And if for some reason you were not able to catch that message last week, I want to encourage you to jump on tracechurch.com, go to our media page, and, and watch that kick it off with us, okay? But we're going to continue on in this whole greater than theme this week and in the coming weeks. <clears throat> and today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at where, where Jesus and our identity fit into the equation. Now, now I have no doubt uh, that in a, in a group like this, or maybe you're watching this online, uh, you're probably wrestling with one or, or either or both of these things, with, with your personal identity. Maybe things have changed in your life, things have been shaken up, or, or maybe you're just on a journey with Jesus and you're trying to figure this whole thing out. Hopefully today in our conversation, we're going to shine some light on both of those topics and help you figure out how to make this equation the way that God would actually have us to do that. Now, speaking of Jesus... <clears throat> He, he has this really interesting way of addressing identity. In, in some respects, he brings incredible clarity to people about who they are. And in other situations, like, it seems like he's just out to kind of create a crisis in people about their identity. He's, he's trying to shake them up a little bit. And, and I actually, I, I found a, a particular interaction that Jesus had with some guys in John chapter 8. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up, turn them on. If you don't have a Bible with you and you need one, we've got some out in guest services. You, you feel free to go grab one of those now or after service. Uh, we will have some of the, the, the scripture passages up here on the screen for you to follow along with. But, but while you're getting to John chapter 8, uh, I actually found a, a Christmas clip of a character who, if there ever was a person in an identity crisis, it would be this guy. So watch this. I hate to do this to you, but you think you can help me pick up the slack on those etch sketches? No problem. I appreciate it. Buddy is killing me. I already got Lum Lum and Choo Choo pulling doubles. I was quick thinking yesterday with that special talents thing. I feel bad for the guy. Just hope he doesn't get wise. Well, if he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. He hasn't figured out he's a human by now. I don't think he ever will. I think they're too small. I'm just special. Buddy, are you okay? I'll be okay. I just need a glass of water. <laughs> How many of y'all seen that movie yet this, this, this season? All right. How many of y'all seen it multiple times already? <laughs> okay. I uh, love this movie. Um, love Buddy the Elf. Love his character. Um, but he was a guy who was, he was in an identity crisis. He thought of himself as an elf. That's what he knew. And all of a sudden, something else was introduced into his life, and it sent him into this tailspin. And, and then, of course, then shortly thereafter, he finds out that his dad's actually on the naughty list. And he just doesn't know what to do with himself. His whole life is flipped upside down. But, but the good thing about this is now he's face-to-face he's, he's -face with, with truth. 
something that's true about him, and it sends him on a journey to figure out exactly what it is that he is and who he is. And as funny as this might sound, I think this is a perfect context for, uh, for this passage we're going to take a look at. So, so uh, go ahead and flip with me to, uh, to John 8. We'll start in verse 31. It says this. To the Jews who had believed in Jesus. All right, so let's just pause right there for a minute. Okay, Jesus is talking to a group of people. Um, they are Jewish in origin, in history, and heritage, but they have heard what Jesus has said. They've seen what he has done, and they are now wanting to follow after Jesus. So these are people that actually hear Jesus and want to follow him. Okay, and Jesus says this He says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Now, let me pause here just for a minute. For those of you all that are just like joining us on this journey, uh, don't know much about the Bible or history of, of the Jewish people, understand that like uh, the Jews uh, are Jews because of who Abraham was. Um, so th they classified themselves because there was this guy named Abraham who lived, and he had a son named Isaac, and he had a son named uh, Jacob, and that guy's name actually became Israel, and so they become the Israelites, they were the Hebrew people known as the Jewish people, and so when they're talking about Abraham, they're talking about a very key piece of their identity that they see who they are, all right? And so they go ahead and throw this out there to Jesus, <clears throat> and they're saying, hold up, you're saying that we're slaves? Uh, I, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. This is an identity piece for them. But Jesus replies, he says, truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, no matter who your dad is, but a son, a son belongs to it forever. And if the son sets you free, then you will be free Indeed. You see, <clears throat> what Jesus is trying to communicate to this Jewish audience is he's saying, guys, I, I, you all may not know it, but like, you're not an elf. Now, you think of yourself as an elf, you think of yourself as being free, but you're actually, you're just like everybody else. The, the playing field is level here. You are a slave to sin just like anybody else, no matter who your daddy happens to be. And, and this throws them into this identity crisis because, because they wanted to follow Jesus, but they were holding on to Abraham a little bit too tightly. They're holding on to, to who they had been and what their heritage was. And what was happening was uh, all these people who were starting to follow Jesus, they started to, to sink back into thinking of themselves in a way that they used to be. They, they started to think of an old identity. And that's how they saw themselves. And because of that, that's how they responded and acted. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you have fallen into that trap before. Where you're different now than what you used to be. You see yourself differently, but for some reason... At times in your life, you kind of slip back into old ways of seeing yourself. I, 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 this may or may not be true for you, but it is for me for whatever reason. Uh, this happens almost every time I go back and see my family. I love my family. I actually get to spend a little time with them um, post-Christmas this year. Excited about seeing them. Uh, but guys, I'm a 35-year-old I'm a man, father of three, husband of one wife for 14 years. Have a lot of other identifi uh, identifying pieces in my life. Uh, but for some reason, when I go back to see my family, I automatically slip back into being a son, being a, a brother, being a middle child, an instigator, overly argumentative and overly competitive. Maybe that overly competitive thing is natural about me on every situation, okay? But, but like I automatically slip back into these ways of seeing myself and responding to others because it's hard not to revert back into your old identities. It just happens that way. And that's why I think Jesus is pushing so hard on these guys about their identity. But, but catch this. 
The natural response, anytime somebody pushes on somebody else's identity, is to push back. Is to push back. And that's exactly what we see here in this passage happening, is that the Jews that are hearing this, and Jesus is challenging their identity, they're pushing back, and they're pushing back hard. And so they come back at Jesus, and they say, hold up, are you greater than our father Abraham? Like, he died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, he said, your father Abraham, the guy that you find all your security and your significance and your value and your heritage and your identity in, that guy, guess what? He rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. And they said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and yet you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, he said, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. You see, all their lives, these Jews had built their identity on where they'd come from and who their daddy was. See, their significance, the the very way in which they saw themselves came and stemmed from their heritage. Because, because Abraham happened to be the guy that God came to and made a covenant with, that made them somebody. And, and they found their security and even their salvation in the fact that they were part of this particular people group. Because they were the chosen ones of God. And so they felt like they had this significance and this security. But what Jesus was telling them was, guys, you don't understand. Abraham is great. But did you know that before Abraham was? Like, I am. And oh, by the way, that promise that God made to Abraham... He was actually looking forward to me. I am the very fulfillment of that promise. See, the promise that God had given to Abraham that gave them such significance in the first place was that he would build a great nation out of them and that that nation would bless all the other nations. And so through the bloodline of of Abraham came Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of all mankind, he didn't just do it for the Jews. He didn't just do it for the Gentiles. He did it for all mankind. That was actually the very fulfillment of this. Jesus is saying, guys, you, you find your significance and your security in Abraham, but I'm telling you that that is actually found only in me. See, Jesus makes no bones about it. He says that he himself is greater than Abraham. Not that Abraham is not significant, not that he's not a part of their past, but Jesus is greater than Abraham, and he puts out the mic and he drops it, all right, and he says, it's like, now you have to deal with this. And you see what happens here is the, the, some of these Jews are like, okay, like now I've got some truth. Now I've got to figure out, like, what does this mean for me? And then you see some other people that are like, I can't handle this. I'm pushing back too hard. Like, I just, I can't give up what I once was in order to be what you want me to be. And it's hard. And, and, I, and here's the deal. I, I think that people push back when their identities get challenged for this reason. I, I think that people push back because when their identities are challenged, it leaves uncertainty about their belonging and about their purpose. And I think we see this today. Matter of fact, I was, I was down in Guatemala um, a, a few months ago, um, kind of on a scouting trip, and, and uh, I was with this organization called Children's Hope Chest. You'll be hearing a lot more about them. I uh, love what they're doing down there, and we're going to be partnering with them about some stuff. But I was down there, and I was talking to this one particular uh, leader of a care point. And she was explaining to me uh, the community dynamic that was going on down there and how... Um, how susceptible the, the youth are to actually being a part of gang activities. Now, I don't know about you, but this has always baffled me. It's like, I don't understand why any kid uh, would see the damage that these gangs are doing to their communities and their families and then will actually want to be a part of it. But as she started to explain this to me, uh, what was happening is, is these gang members were, were kind of coddling these kids from a young age, and what they were doing was they were speaking identity into their lives. They were saying, hey, 
you're part of us. Even if they didn't want to be, you're a part of us. And so as she was talking about trying to combat this, um, they, they came up with an idea, and so on every, every Saturday they would, they would gather the youth of the community, invite them in, and they, they would do education stuff, and they would do nutrition assistance and, and all those kind of things that were needed. But the primary purpose of them getting together with these kids was to give them an alternate identity. And, and so every single kid that came to be with them, they would actually give them this shirt, and this shirt said Ambi, and they explained to them what that meant. And they said, you are not that. You are Ambi. They gave them an alternative for their identity so that they didn't have to do this. And they had to do that at a young age because, because a sense of belonging will oftentimes short sell our true identity. We do this all the time. We do this all the time. We will compromise our morality. We will compromise our character. We'll compromise the things that we believe in order to feel a sense of belonging. But too often, a, a belonging sometimes overrides our identity when it should be the other way around. Our identity should actually give us a sense of belonging. It's one of the reasons why we need to be a place that speaks into other people's identity and, and, and be a place where uh, we help people belong before they even believe so that they can understand their identity. One of the things that I see within our youth, I, I have an opportunity to kind of lead our student ministry and our, our next generations. Um, but with, with kids that are coming up and a, a millennial generation, um, they, they, they have this thing about them that they want to make a difference, right? You all have probably seen this. They want to change the world. They want to know, know what they want to do. They, they want to know what their purpose is. But there's an, there's an underlying thing that happens that, that's, that overrides even their desire to know what their purpose is. More than wanting to know what their purpose is, they want to know who they are. It's a question that they're asking, maybe not out loud, but like it's, 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 it's like marinating inside their soul. They want to know who they are, and they're waiting for somebody to be able to tell it to them. And here's why it's so important for people to know their identity, especially our youth. You all might be struggling with this as well. See, who you are and who you think you are, it determines what you do. Uh, your actions are actually led by your identity because identity drives actions. In Proverbs it says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And so we, we need to be able to, to help people figure out who they are because that will determine what they do. So let me take you back to this name tag. Who are you? Who are you at the very core of your identity? What is your identity? What, what is the truest thing about you? What, what would fill this particular gap. Now, I don't want to just send you guys into some, some kind of identity crisis today like Jesus did. I want to be able to give you some direction. And so let me introduce you over here to the identity ladder. For some reason, whenever I say identity ladder, like I feel like there should be some kind of some noise effect, you know, whenever I say that. But this is the identity ladder. And here's, here's what we know about the identity ladder, okay? Each one of these steps, each one of these rungs um, signifies uh, something that we would kind of hang our hat on a piece of your identity, and at points in time in your life, it might be the thing that you'd say is truest about you, okay? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of step up this ladder, and, and, and I'm going to give you a particular order, but it might not be the order in which you would see, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, I think for us, in different stages of our lives, we'd probably order this differently. None of that matters, but you might find some identifying points on this ladder. So the very first step here, what I would say is that uh, we find identity in our origin, 
okay? Just like the Jews did in our heritage. The things that are kind of, like, we don't choose. The things that are just a part of who we are. The, the things that make us, us. And so, like, I, we'd say, I am a man. I am a woman. Uh, I am uh, black. I am white. I am uh, American. I am uh, Iranian. The, the things that kind of are, are born to us, that are given to us, that are our heritage. And, and, and sometimes we're tempted to say that this is the truest thing about us because it is some of the basic things about us. But, but let me tell you, that is not what is most true about you. Going up a, a rung here. Oftentimes, uh, we allow our occupation to define who we are. Uh, and, and with good respect, because we've spent a lot of time and effort and finances and resource and education becoming the people that we are today. And so you'd say, I'm, I'm a doctor. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer. I'm a teacher. I, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm an accountant. Like, those things are things that are identifying about us, and they are true to a certain extent. But, uh, but if any of you guys have changed jobs or changed careers, you know that even your occupation... Your profession, it's something that's kind of fleeting, and it can go away. And so I would encourage you, like, don't make that the thing that you hang your hat on. Don't let that be the truest thing about you. Now, this next step is a little bit interesting, because um, I think that all of us are guilty to some extent at allowing uh, what others say about us to affect our identity more than what we ought to. Now, I'm a firm believer that, that we should be speaking into other people's lives into our own kids' lives and into our families' lives and into people that we're discipling, okay? But, but all too often, we allow um, what other people say or our perception to, 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 to carry more weight than it ought to. And, and you know how you know this? Because if you start thinking back about things that people said, specifically things that were hurtful, those things stick, and they start to define who you are. They, 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 they somehow find their way into the recesses of your mind, and it's always there, and it's always questioning, am I really what they said I was? So it doesn't matter if somebody said something about you. Your definition is not what other people have told you that you are. I am skinny. I am fat. I am ugly. I am pretty. I am smart. I am stupid. I am kind. I am mean. What other people have said about you is not the truest thing about you. Our situation. All too often, um, we allow our circumstances, maybe our current circumstances or maybe things that have happened to us in the past, uh, to define who we are in the present. And, and, um, and this is what we say about ourselves. We, we say, I, I'm, in, I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm in rehab. I'm incarcerated. I'm in debt. I'm in bad marriage, I am addicted, I, I am abused, I am a victim, I am depressed. Your current status, your current situation is very much a part of your reality. But the, the feelings and the emotions that you get that are tied to your current circumstance, they mislead us oftentimes. And, and they mislead us by allowing us to think that that way that I'm feeling, that way that I think about myself right now, is who I am and it's who I will always be. Can I just tell you, that's not your truest thing about you. It may not even be true about you. But oftentimes we allow that to dictate how we see life, how we see others, and the way in which we respond to that. 
Our orientation. Our orientation. Oftentimes we allow our orientation to actually dictate what, what we do and how we see ourselves. Specifically, like, our political orientation around election times. Like, it is the thing that we want people to know about us. Uh, I am conservative. I am uh, a liberal. I am a Democrat. I am a Republican. I am a Libertarian. Whatever that happens to be, that oftentimes takes, like, front and center of what we say about ourselves and what we post on social media and how you would introduce yourself to other people. It's not your truest identity. Your sexual orientation is not your truest identity. Now, guys, allow me to stand on, on this ladder for a moment and, and speak to you, not from a situation of morality. Uh, this is not a matter of, of whether it's right or wrong or whether you're born with or whether you choose it. All I'm saying is this. There are a lot of people these days that are identifying themselves, their highest level of identity centers around their sexual preference or orientation. Can I just can I challenge that for a minute? That may be a part of your reality. It might be who you are. It might be what you do. But it's not. It is not who you are. Because it's not the truest thing about you. Don't allow that to be the, the highest priority. And I think a lot of times we revert back to the, the ways of the kids that are in Guatemala. We're looking for a place to belong. We find people like us. And therefore we will actually compromise our truest identity for a sense of belonging. Don't let that be the case. Maybe... Maybe even uh, our religious orientation takes the forefront of our mind. We say, I'm an atheist, I'm an agnostic, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Hindu, I'm a Christian. Guys, this might sound weird coming from a pastor, but the fact that you're a Christian, that does not define you at your highest level. It might, it might help you identify with a group of people with the same kind of values and same kind of doctrine, but it is not the truest thing about you. And I'm running out of stairs, and so I've got to get to the point, all right? Can I share with you something? Your truest identity comes from your highest authority. Your truest identity comes from your highest authority. The one and only true God is the only one who can help you to understand the truest thing about you. Now, I, I know, I know that some of you guys are sitting in here, or if you're listening to this online. I know that some of you guys struggle with the, the fact that there is, even is a God and, 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 and figuring out things about who he is. But, but let, me, let me just pose this for you. If there is even the possibility that there is a creator God, that he, if he made you, if he knit you together, if he created you, that he is the one and the only person who can reveal to you what your true identity is. Your highest authority is the only one who can speak to your true identity. And as important as, as other people are, they cannot do that. It's not what your, your parents say or what your coaches say or what your teacher has said or what your spouse has said or your abuser or your pastor or your past or your, your successes or your failures or your desires or even yourself. If there is a God, what he says trumps all else. And there's a nuance here at the top because not only does God have something to say about you, that you were made in his image, that you have eternal value, that he actually like, died and loved you, but for those of us who actually receive what he did in Jesus Christ, then, then there's, there's an extra layer up here because Jesus actually changes our condition. He speaks things into us because he says, you are no longer what you used to be. 
Allow me to, to present an identity crisis for you in the best of ways because I have something to tell you. Do you know what you find at the very top of this ladder? You find a new name. In Revelation 2, it says, to the one who is victorious, the one who, who, who spends the time to actually climb up the ladder and find out what Jesus has to say about you, you know what it says? It says, I will give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Jesus has a new name for you. He has an identity that he wants you to know. And he's spoken these things to us in many different ways. And it's not just one name. I could give you a name today, but that's, God gives us many different names because he represents us in different ways. In scripture, when you see this, you see that our condition has changed because of the cross. Jesus dying on the cross for us actually changes. It says, I once was lost, but now I am found, right? I once was dying, but now I have life, life to the full, life like you never expected it. I, I once was a slave to sin, but now in Christ, I'm a son of God, I'm an heir to the throne of God. I once was an enemy, but in Christ, I am now a friend. Here's the deal, I don't know, I don't know what that name is that God wants to share with you today. But I know this, I know that he wants to give you a name today. And I, I want you to stare at this list over here, this kind of, conglomerate of things. Um, can we put that up on the screen? There you go. These are some of the descriptions of the things that Jesus has said about us. And what I want to ask you to do is, is we're going to enter into a time of, of response like we do every week, where we have an opportunity to kind of act upon the things that we've, we've heard about. And this morning, I, I, want you to I want you to stare at this list. And with that name tag in mind, Hello, I am... I want you to ask God what the name is that he wants you to put in that particular blank today. Maybe this is something that you've been struggling with for some time. Maybe there's a, a reoccurring name that's a negative name, that's an old identity, that's a false identity that keeps coming up in your mind. What I want to ask you to do today is that when we, when we break for this response time, there are some prayer stations in the back. Would you, would you consider writing that name, that negative name, that false identity that you've been living under for so long? Write that name on a prayer card. And I want you to put a, a big slash right through it and drop it in the bucket because we are going to pray. We're going to pray this week over those cards. And we'd like to pray against that particular false identity that you've been living in. For the rest of you guys, you're handed one of these Hello, My Name Is stickers this morning. And, and I don't want you to put your name in here. Not your given name. I want you to put the name that God wants you to know today. And if you don't have a pen, we have some pens at some of the stations around this area. And maybe it's one of the names that's, that's up here. Can you put that, that conglomerate up there again? Maybe it's one of the names that you see up here that just sticks out to you. This, this big and bold, bright letters. Maybe it's a name that's just marinating in your heart. You're like, yes, God, I hear you. I know that. I want you to write that name down. And feel free to put it on you. If you want other people to know that name, put it in your Bible. But, but don't, don't let that name slip away from you. Because that is a name that God has given to you. And he wants you to know it. He wants you to live out of that identity today. In addition to that, we, we do have those prayer stations. If you have things that are going on in your life, you need to pray about something. We have our communion stations up here. And in the back, there are ways for us to be able to celebrate and thank God 
Not only for what he's done and given us a, an eternity with him and saving us from our sins, but because he's given us a new name and a new purpose and a new sense of belonging because of what Jesus has done. And those stations are available around. You can go to those, those places. If you have never climbed up this ladder and allowed Jesus to speak into your life before, and you want to know about what it looks like to actually have a relationship with Jesus, to be in Christ, and I want to encourage you to talk with Aaron and I afterwards. This is an open invitation, and it always is every week that you come here to Trace. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, the band's going to play another song, and, and, and throughout this period, um, feel free to move and act and respond as God's calling you to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for perspective. Thank you for knowing our hearts, knowing our minds, knowing our struggles, knowing how we have classified ourselves and identified ourselves wrongly for, for so long, but your willingness to actually enter in to the danger of confronting our identity because you care about us enough to be able to, to tell us who we really, truly are. Father, I pray that that you would give each and every one of us a name today. Give us a word, give us a phrase, give us a picture of who it is that you called us to be, and then I pray that we would, we would choose to live out of that identity, not out of what we've experienced or thought of ourselves in the past. Thank you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.